Hello folks, and welcome to the Hot Seat Podcast. I'm Isaac Williams, your host. Let's get after it. folks welcome into the hot seat podcast like i said i'm isaac williams your host and this is the inaugural episode of the hot seat podcast i want to go over kind of how the show is going to work and then we'll kind of get into some content today obviously we're going to be talking about sports and uh the reason i call it the hot seat is because every once in a while you'll hear a hot seat take from myself and we'll talk about who may be on the hot seat on the verge of losing their jobs and things like that in the sports world but we're going to go over baseball uh, college football, NFL, and once college basketball rolls back around, we'll touch on that a little bit. But uh, we're going to kick off today's episode with a little bit of MLB coverage. So the MLB trade deadline has just finished passing by, and the Yankees made a couple of big moves. I'm a Yankees fan, so obviously that's a big deal to me. The Yankees made a couple of big moves, picking up Joey Gallo and Anthony Rizzo from Texas and Chicago Cubs, respectively. Uh, interesting because they're lefty bats, which are you know going to check up the lineup that have been right-handed for so long. Uh, both organizations, Texas and Chicago respectively, have picked up both of those salaries, meaning that New York is going to be able to stay underneath the luxury tax threshold, which is going to be nice for them. We're not going to have to pay any kind of taxes there or any penalties. Uh, now, granted, what did these pickups mean for the Yankees, being only two and a half games back from Oakland as they, uh, as they head into the month of August in the American League wildcard race? Uh, honestly, I, don't, I can't sit here and tell you what it means for them, but I'll go on record right now and say that there's a very good chance the Yankees do at least pick up one of those wild card spots. Um, very curious to see what happens there. And uh, obviously, you know, the Yankees um, the Yankees have won two of their first three games past the trade deadline with Anthony Rizzo. Anthony Rizzo has gotten on base eight times in those two games, the first Yankee to ever do so. And he has two home runs in both of those games, um, one in each, I'm sorry, two total. And so very, very curious to see what those pickups mean for the Yankees. However, they do still need pitching. They're still in great need of pitching. You know, the problem is their ace, Garrett Cole, has not been very, uh, very great so far since the All-Star break. Uh, he's 1-2 and two in three starts, uh, 2.82 ERA amongst those three starts average. And while that's not a terrible ERA, his most recent start was against Tampa Bay when he gave up uh, seven earned runs and an ERA of 3.11 in that game. The Yankees went on to lose that game 14-0. Uh, Garrett Cole, by and large, has been the pitcher for New York this season. Uh, the Yankees, not the Mets. <laughs> Very curious to see what happens the rest of this year. He's carried that pitching staff. And obviously, you know, Corey Kluber remains to be seen again after uh, having some some arm trouble a couple of months back. Obviously, Luis Severino has yet to be healthy. You know, they've struggled with his health for a couple of seasons now. And uh, just to be a plum honest, I, I'm not quite sure uh, if, Se- if Luis Severino, I'll call him Sevy, if he will ever get back to where he once was and be back to where he needs to be to be in the pinstripes and be productive as the Yankees need him to be. However, can Jamison Tyone continue his dominance? Obviously, he has been what I would consider maybe the ace in the month of July. He's 4-0 and in five starts, a 1.16 ERA, and has only given up six earned runs amongst those five starts. And so for the month of July, a season that started very rough for Tyone has proven to be very, very 
very fruitful in the month of July. So we'll keep an eye on that as we move forward. Uh, the blockbuster trade really, though, for the trade deadline was the Dodgers and the Nationals. Uh, the Dodgers sent Washington a prospect package in exchange for Trey Turner and Max Scherzer to their star players, their shortstop, and obviously their ace in Scherzer. The Dodgers lineup now, this is a couple of their spots. Uh, you'll have Max Muncy and Albert Pujols alternating at first base. Trey Turner will likely play second, probably cover short until Corey Seager gets back from being hurt. But once he gets back, Seager will transition back to short. Justin Turner at third, Cody Bellinger in the outfield and center, and then Mookie Betts, former Red Sox player in right field. Uh, Mookie Betts obviously uh, had a great year last year and helped lead the Dodgers to their first World Series in over 30 years. But very curious to see what happens in L.A. Obviously, they are, they're well over the tax threshold. But when you have a payroll like that, you know people want to talk about the Yankees. I'll just go on record and say this. People want to talk about the Yankees buying championships. Look at L.A.'s payroll the past couple of years and how stacked that team is. Don't, I don't want to hear anybody tell me that the Yankees have a stacked team that they buy their championships. Look at L.A., just look at L.A. It's, that's all I've got to say. That's all i got to say. The Dodgers rotation, however, has Clayton Kershaw, Max Scherzer, Walker Bueller, young ace there, David Price, and uh, obviously that's their top four. The fifth spot is still kind of shaky. Obviously, Dustin May is out for the year with Tommy John surgery, and Trevor Bauer is still out under investigation for uh, some various allegations against him. It remains to be seen if he will be back this season. He's been out for two or three weeks now on administrative leave, and they keep extending it, so it's becoming more and more unlikely we will see Bauer put on the blue and white again this year for the Dodgers. Uh, the Boston Red Sox, to wrap up trade deadline talk for the MLB for this episode, uh, the Boston Red Sox got Kyle Schwarber from Washington. Washington's went into a full rebuild mode, which I feel very bad for Juan Soto, as I've called him in the past couple of days, Juan Solo. If you're a, if you're a Star Wars fan, you'll get that. But um, obviously Juan Soto, the only big piece remaining on that Washington Nationals franchise that won the World Series just under two years ago in 2019 over the Houston Astros. Uh, the Houston Trashros, as I like to say, with those trash cans. But anyway, so we'll wait and see what happens with Washington. They've went into a full rebuild. They've obviously dealt away Scherzer, Turner, and now Kyle Schwarber. So they're pretty much starting from scratch. They've got several good pieces in exchange. they got four big pieces from the Dodgers in that prospect package. And so we'll wait and see what happens in the nation's capital. That's going to wrap up Baseball Talk. We're going to take a break, and we'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Pilot Tire, located on South Key Street in Pilot Mountain. For all your tire and vehicle needs, call Pilot Tire 336-444-TIRE, 336-444-8473. All right, folks, welcome back into the Hot Seat Podcast. I'm Isaac Williams, your host. We're going to get into a little brief segment on college football today. So obviously recently the SEC voted unanimously to invite Texas and Oklahoma to the conference starting July 1st of 2025. Uh, there's a couple of things to go over there. What does that mean for the current SEC heavyweights? Obviously there aren't a lot of them, but primarily in Alabama, Florida, Georgia, and LSU, those programs that have been so productive in the Southeastern Conference for a number of times, uh, for a number of years. Very curious to see what happens with those teams and how it shakes up recruiting, especially. Obviously, that's going to change the landscape of the of the conference. And um, just quite honestly, I don't know how it's going to shake up. I personally, as an LSU fan, I'm not very excited about it. I'll go ahead and be 100% transparent. I think it is going to overload the conference. And the SEC is 
is already the most dominant conference in college football. And now to take this and make this monumental move and to make it essentially the conference for college football, because let's be honest, the ACC, I mean, they have a couple of good teams, but all in all, all they have is Clemson. And obviously, you know, I don't really want to see uh, it becomes something kind of like how you only have one conference that is really productive and the rest of the the rest of the country the rest of the NCAA and college football is literally not good um, I think it's going to be a monumental shakeup in the landscape and we'll just have to wait and see how it plays out once more details come to follow in the next couple of years uh, what's next for LSU talking about the Tigers what's next for LSU ahead of the pitiful 2020 season uh, well number one Coach O's hires have to step up uh, or otherwise I personally think he'll be on the high seat I think the Tigers have a level of expectancy obviously now granted will he be on the hot seat on the verge of being fired I mean probably not you know having the best season in college football history in 2019 with that championship uh, with Joe Burrow and and the like but however I do think it will be a big deal in terms of his long-term status in Baton Rouge if his hires do not step up and obviously he's mentioned he's got great guys in the quarterback room which he does obviously TJ Finley the freshman out of Ponchatoula transferred from last year but now you have Max Johnson the son of former NFL quarterback Brad Johnson and Miles Brennan the long-term veteran in Baton Rouge Um, who's the better QB I mean honestly I would have to say Miles by the experience Miles has earned his spot however Max did a phenomenal job obviously winning the shoe game against Florida last year (laughs) Uh, it sucks to be a Florida Gator Um, but as as a quarterback last year, as a true freshman uh, in an LSU uniform, he was phenomenal. And honestly, I think he'll get the starting job next year after Miles graduates this fall. But we'll have to wait and see. While we're on the football subject, we're going to move into the NFL, uh, what I call the battle in the bayou. Obviously, who will follow Drew Brees at the helm in New Orleans? That is one of the biggest questions surrounding the upcoming NFL season. Um, personally, when it comes to Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston, I personally don't really want it to be either of them. I don't think either of them are the guy. Looking at some of their numbers in 2020, uh, Taysom Hill's numbers, as obviously is just kind of filling in quarterback here and there and some of the plays that Sean Payton drew up for the offense, he was 88 for 121 attempts. That is almost 73% percentage completion rate. 928 yards, four touchdowns, and two interceptions. Uh, Compare that to Jameis Winston's last year as a full-time starter. His numbers for 2020 weren't really enough to uh, use as a sample size against Taysom Hills. But in 2019, when Jameis Winston was the starter in Tampa Bay, he went 380 for 626, which is almost 61% completion percentage for 5,100 yards, 33 touchdowns, and 30 interceptions. So almost one-for-one one touchdown-to-interception ratio. Uh, personally, like I said, I don't think either one of those guys are the guy to follow Drew Brees. But New Orleans didn't draft a quarterback, and all of the star quarterbacks obviously are off to uh, bigger and better things in their respective young organizations. So we have to wait and see. Uh, will it actually be either of these guys to pick up where Drew left off? Like I said, I don't think so. I'm going to be 100% transparent when I say that because I don't think that you know either of these guys are Drew Brees. Obviously, the only guy that comes close to being Drew Brees in today's era, I would have to say, would be Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is a great quarterback, but you know, if you're in terms of success rates, Drew Brees is one of, if not the best, to ever do it. Uh, I call it Sweet Caroline. Obviously, I'm a Panthers fan, and. Uh, with Christian McCaffrey healthy, a new system in Joe Brady and Sam Darnold under center, can Matt Rule prove his worth as an NFL coach? I'll be 100% transparent. 
I personally am still very upset about the firing of Ron Rivera. Uh, personally, I'd love to see the Washington football team, who, by the way, will announce a new name in 2022. I'd personally love to see them get a ring. I'd love to see them be successful because of Ron Rivera, not because of anything else, just because of Ron. Um, but, you know, I think with the right system in place with Joe Brady on the offensive side of things, if Sam Darnold proves to be the guy, I'll go on record now. I'll go into the hot seat and say that I don't think he is the guy. However, a lot of people think that he could be. He just had bad coaching when he was in New York, blah, 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 blah. Do I think it's him? I personally don't. I watched him play in college at USC. I don't think he's that good. But with that being said, we'll wait and see what happens when he takes the helm at Charlotte this year. Uh, with Christian McCaffrey healthy and Joe Brady's system, obviously you saw it in Baton Rouge two years ago. Joe Brady has an offensive mind that is from you know light years away, and obviously you know we'll have to wait and see what happens. But um, you know with with Christian McCaffrey healthy and if if Joe Brady's system proves to be as fruitful as it can be with Matt Rule on top of things at head coach, Carolina could be okay. Now, granted, I'm not saying they'll make the playoffs. Uh, my projection, I think they'll go 8-8, eight and eight, possibly a wild card if everything goes their way. Listen, guys, 8-8, eight and eight, 500, almost impossible. A perfect storm only happens in movies. Uh, but I will say this, my reason for going 8-8 eight and eight and making that low of a projection for them is because I've made projections of like 14-2 and 12-4 and 13-3 and, and three over the past couple of years, and I'm constantly, constantly let down as a Panthers fan. So I figured, eh, why not? I'll go low ball, and if they surprise me, great. Uh, they may surprise me and go worse than that, which really wouldn't be a surprise at all as a Panthers fan. Uh, but folks, that's going to do it for the first episode of the Hot Seat Podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you tune in next time, and we will see you next time here on the Hot Seat. Take care.